We've been talking these last few weeks about prayer. We'll continue that theme today. And while it will not be part of the message today, I would hope that you would keep in mind and in your heart that which is, has come before. Most uh, certainly, the idea that the glory of God is, is the primary purpose of prayer. Prayer is to praise Him. And all that follows, I hope you will hear in that context. I entitled today's message, The Sinner's Prayer. And while those of you that may come from a, what I might characterize as a post-evangelical uh, mindset might be anticipating one thing, but you will be disappointed. So we're, not gonna, we're not going to talk about that, that time-honored principle of getting somebody to pray a particular prayer. For today, I have good news. Today, I have good news about prayer. I want you to meet a fellow that I only know, I've only met over the Internet. His name is Jeff Robinson. Jeff Robinson has a Master of Divinity and a Doctorate of Philosophy from Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. And he's the editor of the Southern Seminary blog where I met him. He's pastor of Christ Fellowship Church in Louisville, Kentucky. He serves as senior editor for the Gospel Coalition and is also adjunct professor of church history and senior research and teaching associate for the Andrew Fuller Center at the seminary. He is co-author with Michael Haken of the Ends of the Earth, Calvin's Missional Vision and Legacy, and co-editor with D.A. Carson of Coming Home, Essays on the New Heaven and the New Earth. And with credentials like that, he writes, One reality I still cannot reconcile is the notion of preaching to other people the mirrored text I find exceedingly difficult to obey myself. I preach about slaying the deadly viper of pride, but then I am proud of the way I expose and communicated that text. I tell my people that they should pray without ceasing, and yet my prayer life is too often as inconsistent as summer rain in Kentucky. I preach about seeking God's grace to lower the thermostat on our tempers after I have fired angry darts at my wife and children on the way to church. Shut up! We're going to worship! Without the august resume of Brother Jeff, I stand before you 
likewise a sinner. Unworthy in myself to preach to you anything, much less the glorious truth of God. With the Apostle Paul, as we are familiar with Romans chapter 7, for he wrote, I do not understand my own actions. For I do not I do, I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. It is the sin that dwells within me that makes me a sinner. If we deny this truth, if we deny this reality, if we deny this in ourselves, the Scripture tells us in 1 John chapter 1, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Verse 10, if we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Regardless of how highly we may think of ourselves, the pride that we take in who we are, regardless of all the good that we may have done, regardless of what an excellent reputation we may have before other people, we are sinners before God. And sin is a barrier that will separate us from God, our Heavenly Father. Jesus was ever mindful that it was sin that he had to take upon himself the body of man, come into the world, leaving the throne of heaven. Jesus came preaching and teaching, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. Jesus said, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. See, Jesus recognized, Jesus knew that sin gave purpose to why he was here. The sins of mankind, the sins of his people. And so it is that we find it not at all surprising, as we might well expect. Sin has a prominent place in that prayer 
that Jesus taught his followers. For Jesus said, pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And Jesus explained, For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Do you see it? Do you see the prominence, the importance, the place that sin has in this model prayer? You see the, the problem that it, that it poses, that must be addressed, that must be dealt with in a prayer to our Heavenly Father. Debts? I've always wondered about that. I always wondered about what were those, what's those debts that we have to be forgiven for? Well, a debt, a debt is incurred, right? A, a debt, and in this case, this debt, is what, what is incurred as a result of our sins, of our sinfulness. It is a debt that we owe to our Heavenly Father. We owe Him as a consequence of our sins of our sinfulness. The trespasses we want our Father to forgive us are the sins, the transgressions that we have made against His law, against His holiness, against His righteousness. Because of our sin, because of our disobedience, by both doing what we know to be against God's will and failing to do what we know to be in accordance with God's will, we owe our Heavenly Father. We are indebted to Him. We have taken from Him what is not ours to take. We have robbed Him of His due. We have robbed him of his glory. We have robbed him of his place before his creation. For we have taken for ourselves, we have used for our purposes, we have applied to our needs, our glory, his creation. We read in Romans chapter 1, verse 18 and 25. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. 
They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. And so it is that in this world, we as a people would far rather do what pleases us, what seems appealing to our taste, rather than seeking God's glory in our lives through who we are and through how we live. Taking His creation. We have robbed from God that which belongs to Him by every right. And in that we have robbed from God. We have taken what is His, what is not ours. We are indebted to Him. And we would pray, our Heavenly Father, forgive us our debts. Knowing, as it says in Galatians chapter 6, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, and the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Do not be deceived. God is is not mocked. And that indebtedness, that debt that we owe to God, that which we have robbed from God, that which we as sinners have taken for ourselves, retribution will be paid. Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. We have a debt, a debt we owe to our Creator, our Heavenly Father. And it is a debt that we so very desperately do not want to pay. For the wages of sin is death. Again, the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 7. Wretched man that I am. Wretched, wretched, without hope, without possibility, without in great, in great need, with no expectations of having that, fee, uh, that need fulfilled. Wretched, painful, hurting, needy man that I am. A sinner in the hands of an angry God, as one great preacher preached. Wretched man that I am. Who? Who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God, our Heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ our Lord.
So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? There's good news. There's good news for this wretched sinner. There's good news for this this hopeless, helpless man, woman, child in such great need. And the good news is, by God's grace, through faith in His Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, our debt has been paid. Thanks be to God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Our debt has been paid. The the debt that we desperately knew that we owe but cannot pay. The Son of God has paid that debt. Regardless, you hear that? Regardless of how good we are regardless of what other people think of us, regardless of of how highly we may think of ourselves. The point is, we are sinners indebted to a righteous and holy God. A debt of sin that calls for death. Thanks be to God. Our debt is paid. Through the sacrificial death on Calvary's cross of God the Son. I want to I try to, to set before you the, the magnitude, the enormity of what has been done on our behalf. We owed that debt. Jesus paid it all. And so we hear the words of our Savior teaching us. The words of our our Savior teaching us to pray. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Hear this prayer that Jesus has taught us to pray, Our Father in heaven, Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Forgive us our debts as we forgive those their indebtedness to us. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Our Father in heaven hallowed be your name. 
your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Do you see the parallel? Do you see the connection? Do you see this prayer that God's will would be done on earth as it is in heaven? Do you see this parallel, this connection that He would forgive us as we have forgiven others, that God's will would be accomplished in the paying of this debt for sin? Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Lead us, O God, not into this temptation to to bear the grudge, to take the offense, to hold on to the debt that others have to us. For such is the evil of this world. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Forgiveness should beget forgiveness. Unforgiveness will beget unforgiveness. Those those who know they have been forgiven, amen. Those who know they have been forgiven know that they can forgive others. What a minuscule thing it is to forgive others when I have been forgiven of so much. It's a little thing. It's hardly anything at all to forgive because I have been forgiven. Jesus told two parables about this. This idea, this principle. Luke 7.41, we have the, the parable of the two debtors. I forget how that one goes. Matthew chapter 18, we have the parable that's called the unforgiving creditor. This guy owes the king a lot of money. A lot of money. We're talking Donald Trump kind of money. And the king calls the, calls the debt. Man comes before the king. He says, king, I ain't got it. And the king says, well, you know what that means. It's the jailhouse for you. And the man pleads. He pleads with the king. Oh, king, please don't do this. Please forgive me. I, 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 can't, I can't do the jail. And he's, and he's prostrate before the king. And the king says, fine, forget it. Debt forgiven. Whoa. Little lesson in grace there, huh? So the guy goes out back to his, his business, his office, And a man comes in that owes him a couple of bucks. The guy says, pay up. He says, I ain't got it. So give me some time. Let me work on it. I'll get it for you. And and the creditor says, says, no, it's due today. I want my money. And and the poor man says, but I, I can't pay. I just don't have it. 
what does he do? He throws the guy in jail, debtor's prison. He's under the castle. Well, the king gets wind of it. Huh? The king hears about this. And the king, being the king, he's going to set matters right. And he explains to this fellow, he says, look here. Now, y'all know I'm paraphrasing this. Jesus tells it a whole lot better than I do. But the king says, look here. I forgave you big money, forgiven, paid in full, grace. That's what I did for you. And you couldn't forget this other fellow just a couple of bucks? What is wrong with you? And you know where he wound up. He's under the castle. King being the king, he sets things right. That's in the sermon. So also, Jesus says, he concludes this parable. So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. That's, that's a little bit stronger than forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Jesus makes it pretty plain here. This is what is expected of those who have been forgiven. That you will forgive those who offend you. If you do not forgive your brother, not just, do you hear Jesus here? Not just forgive your brother. It's very important that we hear what Jesus says, that you forgive your brother from the heart. From the heart. It's a heart matter. This is, this is sincerity. This is genuineness. This is true putting it away. Forgiveness, the offense, the debt does not exist anymore. And where there was indebtedness, what do you think should replace it? Where there is forgiveness, what moves in? This is a heart matter. A heart that by the power and presence of God the Holy Spirit that has been turned from stone to flesh. God's promise through the prophet Ezekiel in chapter 36 and verse 26, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit. I will put within you and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. In the sanctifying work of God the Holy Spirit, in those who have been forgiven, those whom... The debt of sin has been paid by the Son of God on Calvary's cross. The Spirit of God moves in and begins a work of cleansing, of changing, of maturing. And it is the work of the Holy Spirit that thankfully, praise God above, we receive a new spirit and a new heart. Our sanctification, our cleansing, 
is bringing about a change in us, a maturing in us, that we can be obedient to the commands of our God. That which Jesus calls all people, that you will love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and all your strength. And love one another. I stand before you a man with feet of clay, a sinner, unworthy. But I stand before you a man with feet of clay that stands on the mountaintop of God's love. By God's grace, knowing God's forgiveness. Calling you to hear the prayer of our Lord and Savior. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive those who have been debted to us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever.